5: Log Talk
6: Radio Change will not come if we wait for some other person, or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Would cost about it, it, it would cost about the same as what we would spend it o- over the course of ten years it would cost what it would cost us it it, it it would cost us about the same as it would cost
5: for about hold on one second I can't hear myself
2: When all the votes were counted after Tuesday's big midterm election, we had a kind of a normal outcome, a split verdict. Democrats took back control of the House. Republicans retained control of the Senate. And there was a kind of a division in some of the big governors' races. But for a long time on Tuesday night, it looks as if a different story might emerge. You hear warnings of of a blue wave coming. Is it a
1: wave or a tsunami? We
2: do believe there will be a blue wave. Democrats had dreams early on in the evening of a big blue wave taking over not just the House, but also the Senate and many of those governor's races. And for a while, the results that were coming in seemed to reconfirm that notion, but then a different reality set in. Here's how the night unfolded around five o'clock exit polls and a big Associated Press vote cast poll emerged that seemed to show Democrats were on their way to a very big night. Indeed, a lot of the women's vote was moving toward the Democrats, a big wave of women voters, and that looked like it might be enough to propel the Democrats to a bigger night than they had been expecting. First of all, Barbara Comstock, a Republican incumbent, was defeated by Jennifer Wexton, a Democratic challenger in Virginia. Barbara Comstock, Republican member of Congress, losing
7: her seat in Virginia.
2: And then in Florida, Donna Shalala, a former Democratic cabinet member, took over an open house seat that Republicans had hoped to hang on to. You had two big turnovers, and the signs of a big the Democratic wave were taking shape. Then you also had some tantalizing possibilities in two really important states that seemed to confirm that idea. Again, in Florida, it appeared that the Democrats might win both a very hotly contested Senate race and a governor's race. They were leading in both of those races by a considerable margin. Bill Nelson, the Senate Democrat, who was hanging on to a seat, it appeared. And Andrew Gillum, an African-American challenger, both took big leads in Florida. And in Texas, most surprisingly of all, Beto O'Rourke, a Democratic challenger, opened up a big lead over Senator Ted Cruz, the Republican incumbent, and Democratic dreams of not only taking the House, but having big wins in Senate races and governor's races were taking form right before their eyes.
3: Better will work, the Democrat, uh, he's ahead by 167,000 votes uh, over Ted Cruz.
2: Then between nine and 10 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday night, a different kind of reality began to set in. In two big Senate races in Tennessee and Indiana, Democrats were losing and losing big. Republican leads kept growing, and at 10 o'clock, both of those seats were called for the Republicans. At that point, the Democratic dreams of taking over the Senate pretty much ended. Next, those channelizing Democratic leads in both Florida and Texas began to evaporate as well. Ted Cruz was declared the winner in the Texas Senate race at about 10 o'clock. And by 11 o'clock, Andrew Gillum, the Democrat who had been hoping to win the governor's race, conceded to Ron DeSantis, the Republican candidate. And Rick Scott, the Republican Senate candidate, held on to a very tiny lead, but it appeared he was on his way to victory as well. So the idea of having historic victories in two of the biggest states in the country disappeared for Democrats and then late at night some good news began to emerge for Democrats again they won a whole series of closely contested house races and it was clear the control there would be in Democratic hands and Democrats won some of those closely contested Midwestern governor's races in Illinois in Michigan and in Kansas so good news returned for the Democrats So, by about midnight, when all was said and done, we had a split decision. Some good news for Democrats, some good news for Republicans. A divided country politically had produced, appropriately enough, a very divided government for the next two years.
1: Well, good evening, and welcome to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. With me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones Well Last night was a bit of a disappointment But Not really You see It's been foretold That The House would go to the Democrats It was just a matter of how many seats the Republicans would lose. The bright spot in all of this was that Republicans were expected to keep the Senate and increase their hold on governorships and legislatures across the country. Well, those aspirations have been realized President Trump is stronger now, today, than he was yesterday. You see, we have in this country something called checks and balances. We have separation of powers. We have the legislature. We have the executive branch. And we have the judicial branch. Now, the... Democrats control the legislative branch. However, nothing gets done unless the Senate approves. And even if the Senate approves, the president has to sign off on it. So, so here we have what the Founding Fathers intended all along, a stalemate, where no one of the three branches is more powerful than the other, where no entity of the three branches—no the legislature, the judicial, or the le- or the executive branch—have more authority than the other. Frankly. There's very little of consequence that either of the three can accomplish without the other two, especially the legislative branch. You see, the founding fathers intended for us to be at odds, all three. It's actually quite brilliant. It's kind of like sibling rivalry where we reward one child for his excellence and with hopes that the other children will take notice and bring their game up, but that we love each child equally. Does that make sense? But we want them to compete anyway because we want to get things done. And so we have the ideal situation, really. And that's what makes me proud today. And not at all disappointed. Because what I am witnessing and what you are witnessing is America this great experiment at its best. And I'm frankly quite proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Today is a great day in America. A great day. The Democrats control the House. The Republicans control the Senate. And in a way... The judicial branch just a little bit because the House isn't needed to appoint judges. Sandra Day O'Connor has indicated that she is suffering from dementia. She'll probably step down sometime within the next year or so. And President Trump will get to appoint another Supreme Court justice. And given that he has a pretty good margin, he only needs 51 votes. His next appointment will most likely go through unchallenged, or well, with little challenge and a lot less fanfare than his last appointment, Justice Kavanaugh. So let's get to the let's get to the beginning of the show, but before we do that. We'll take a short break and we'll come back and we'll talk about yesterday's events. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C.
5: Robert Jones.
4: You had some that decided to, let's stay away. Let's stay away. They did very poorly. I'm not sure that I should be happy or sad, but I feel just fine about it. Right. Carlos Cubella, Mike Kaufman. Too bad, Mike. Mia Love. I saw Mia Love. She'd call me all the time to help her with a hostage Situation, being held hostage in Venezuela. Uh, but Mia Love gave me no love. And she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. And Barbara Comstock was another one. I mean, I think she could have won that race. But she didn't want to have any embrace. For that, I don't blame her. But she... Um, She lost, substantially lost. Uh, Peter Roskam didn't want the embrace. Eric Paulson didn't want the embrace. And in New Jersey, I think he could have done well, but didn't work out too good. Bob Eugan, I feel badly because I think that's something that could have been won. That's a race that could have been won. John Faso. those are some of the people that, you know, decided for their own reason not to embrace, whether it's me or what we stand for, but what we stand for uh, meant a lot to most people, and we've had tremendous support, and tremendous support in the Republican Party, among the biggest support in the history of the party. I've actually heard at 93 percent, it's a record, but I won't say that, because who knows, but we've had tremendous support.
1: Indeed, the President of the United States today in his uh, ad- address to the media following the midterms was priceless. He was in rare form. And if you will, if you really want to have a good time, I urge you to go to YouTube and download or pay attention or or watch the president get down in the get down when he addresses the media after the midterms. I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed every single minute. Yeah. Do you hear the fireworks in the background? I think my neighbor unloading the remnants of his firework stash. And I have the windows wide open. I'm kind of enjoying it myself. So it's very pretty out there. But anyway, go ahead. If you haven't heard about it, it is hilarious. He is priceless. And when I listened to his address earlier today, I just laugh. I laughed my butt off. I'll tell you that. I mean, and it made me proud. It really did because I'm sort of an oddball guy, different. And a lot, I know everybody says they're different, right? But I'm really kind of different. I'm I'm kind of like an odd personality. So maybe you've noticed, but I enjoy when the president. Behaves the way that he does I think it's refreshing Because he's just like a regular guy He's not attempting to Behave in a In a fake, polished fashion Like some others And we'll get into that right now You know There was all this talk about the blue wave But the biggest loser In this trickle Was Barack Hussein Obama He was the biggest loser. And he he was exposed last night. He was exposed today. And not in a good way. No. He was exposed as the fraud. And the has-been. He was exposed as Mr. Washed Up. All washed up. You know, I did a broadcast several years ago titled The Emperor Has No Clothes. And it was all about Barack Obama's facade. So the midterms weren't a blue wave. But they weren't shark fin soup for Republicans either. Given that They lost the House by a very small margin. That said, the big loser who stands out here is hard-campaigning former President Barack Hussein Obama. The guy who thought he was the star of the Democratic Party and who, throwing the tradition of former presidents, meaning staying aloof from politics... He threw that out the window. He campaigned hard, long, and loud for Democrats in this midterm. It turns out the ones he fought hardest for lost. Not a single one of the candidates that Obama campaigned for won their race. Not not one. Now, he stands exposed as politically irrelevant, powerless, and an embarrassment. It's sad. First, he did some easy ones, and those candidates marched right through. Obama or no Obama. Tim Kaine of Virginia and Joe Manchin of West Virginia for the Senate. Jennifer Wexton of Virginia for for the House. Uh, J.B. Pritzker for the Illinois governorship, a couple of minor leaguers for the House of Illinois, in Illinois for the House in Illinois as tagalongs. Kane and Pritzker, given their ties to the Obama administration, were probably favors repaid, and they ran in blue states anyway. As did the Illinois pickups, Manchin meanwhile was primarily reelected on the, his Kavanaugh vote, so Obama was likely irrelevant but then but then there were the midterm campaigns that weren't give me, some were high profile and high media exposure. Joe Donnelly of Indiana for Senate. Bill Nelson of Florida for Senate. Andrew Gillum of Florida for Governor. Stacey Abrams of Georgia for Governor. Those were the ones Obama went horse campaigning for. Yelling and waving his arms. Voice cracking speeches described as fiery. Telling voters to vote. For these guys or die When Gillum In particular Racial appeals Were a factor And Obama's presence was supposed to help (sighs) Gillum had a big media build up About being a first Black governor of Florida As an argument to draw voters And votes And he later cried racism to fend off corruption allegations. Adding Obama to campaign was obviously part of the appeal, was it not? this time, the race politics identity card, well, it simply failed. And failed miserably. And Obama, what did he get? Zip, zilch, nada, zero. Yet, the voters rather noticeably rejected the ex-president's appeal for votes. Been there, done that. How embarrassing. Obama spent the majority of his time talking about Obama. He spent very little time talking about the candidates themselves, but touting his record... Embellishing his record and claiming credit for a booming economy. How embarrassing indeed. Can you imagine an ex president aging, gray haired, frail looking, voice cracking, begging and pleading for voters to go out and vote for the candidates he supports only to see the majority of them? No. Every single one, take an ass whooping. Lose outright. Now, the lady here in the great state of Georgia, well, she's not giving up. She is fighting on because that's what she does. She's claiming racism. She's claiming voter suppression. She's blaming the weather. Hell, she might even blame God Himself. Well, this one will play on for another couple of days, maybe until Monday of next week, when all the votes are counted and certified. But she's crying foul, as we expected her to do, which she signaled she would do. But Obama? He remains irrelevant. And how sad is it to see how the mighty have fallen. Hence, the theme song, Viva La Vida, by Coldplay. Obama has now been regulated to B-movie status. Second tier. Low rent. I has-been washed up. Well, how the mighty have fallen. We'll take a short break and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
0: No, 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 Taylor. I'm not taking pie from you. I'm giving pie to me. You see, I, uh, I didn't have any pie, so I gave pie to me. Now, if I don't have any pie... So I'm not taking pie from you, I'm giving pie to me. Mmm, I don't have any more pie, and you do. See, you don't understand, Teller, I'm not taking pie from you, I'm giving pie to me. Thanks for cutting that piece. Mm. Mm. Now, <clears throat> neither one of us has any pie, so we'll find someone else who has pie, we won't take the pie from them, we'll give it to us. Now where does Bill Gates
6: come to internet radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized homogenized news that they get from their TV, or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with internet talk radio. Real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio, and it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We Are America United is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out (laughs)
5: radio.waumedia.com.
2: When you look at Florida, when you look at, uh, you know, Rick Scott right now is in the lead uh, in Senate right. with 55,000 uh, votes, and uh, Guillemot has been, I mean, that's, it's been extraordinary.
3: Florida is a disappointment.
0: Florida is a real, yeah, because it's, so, it's so tight. Yes. And because they thought that the top of the ticket would help help down ticket. Look, there was a dream tonight for Democrats, which was that early on, they'd be able to say, okay, we, you know, we won a couple in Virginia, we won in Kentucky, and this is going to show that this wave is starting and you, and you can't stop it. Now, they can still win the House. I think it's probably more likely they will win the House than not, but, um, but they can't have – there's no tsunami. There's, there's no tsunami coming. I mean, winning the House by one vote, by one member is enough is enough for them, but there's a lot of disappointment that I'm hearing uh, from people. I'm also hearing talk about recounts in Florida. Can you believe it? And lawyers going to Florida. So, um, you know, this, this has to really play out. But the excitement, I think, is the, the cliché. is The balloon is popping. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Lots of excitement.
2: Van? Well, first of all, there are still people standing in line in Georgia. There's still people standing in line in Florida. People, This is not over. People need to, to stay out there and continue the fight. Uh, this is heartbreaking, though. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, the hope has been that the antibodies would kick in, that this sort of infestation of, of hatred and division uh, would, re- would, would draw a response from the American people, really in both parties, to say no and no, no more. Uh, that does not seem to be happening tonight. It's not a blue wave, but it's still a blue war. We've got to continue the, the fight forward. Uh, but uh, I think that sense of helplessness. That has really fueled a lot of this uh, outrage and, and outpouring from Democrats. Uh, may still be there tomorrow, even if we have the House. Governor? Um,
6: yeah, I definitely think the outrage will still be there. The disappointment will be there, certainly on the Senate side. I'm not giving up on the governors yet, yeah. even the governor of Florida. Stay in line. We Stay in know line. that. Uh, I know, right? Georgia is, uh, has not had Atlanta come in yet, but in Michigan and in some of these other <clears throat> races in Ohio, I think there's still great. Hope out, obviously Pennsylvania, that midwestern cluster of states. Wisconsin we'll see what happens. So I'm still um, my nails are still like
7: clutching to hope that we can win, at least on the governor's side and certainly on the more
3: more polls closing
2: obviously thirty six and thirty-six, uh, 36 yeah. minutes, center.
7: You can't have a wave election when both sides are energized. And ultimately both sides are energized. This was a huge turnout election. I mean, mm-hmm. everywhere I talk to all around the country are saying we've never seen a midterm election like this, and it wasn't just Democrats. You lose when one side's energized and the other side's it. both sides. are. You've got to give Donald Trump uh, credit right, yeah. for energizing. The other thing that's really remarkable is that Republicans, where everybody I talked to said, we were outspent two, three to one. The Democrats had all the money. They had all the media, and, and they still couldn't win it, right. even with the divisive figure of the president on top of the ticket. That is a is a a message of solace to a lot of Repub- a lot of conservatives. Who were worried about this being a disaster?
2: And for all that talk about for the future of the Democratic Party and what the message is and how far left they should be, or the Sanfra message is.
7: was just anti-Trump. The message just never no, got no, across. I I I think that was the motivating factor. The message of on pre-50. So look, 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 so look, so the question did the, did the caravan ads work? The answer clearly is yes tonight, as you see, right? Whether you well, like them or not. Let, no, let, 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 whether David you like them or not, right? They worked. To to just echo what Van had said earlier. Donald right, Trump. That's enough, bat-
1: that, enough excuse-making, enough whining. As you can tell, CNN, well, they're a little disappointed. They thought there was going to be this enormous blue wave and that a message would be sent to the president to cease and desist his angry, hate-filled, racist rhetoric. Well, a good portion of America doesn't see it that way. And Van Jones, well, he 's not feeling love, he's despondent, he's broken-hearted that the Democrats were only able to seize 34 seats out of a record number, 60 some odd seats. How sad is that? Think about it. President Trump lost approximately 26 seats. That's it. President Donald Trump on Tuesday night lost the House of Representatives to the Democrats, who seized at least 26 seats from the Republicans. A majority of Democrat House. Well, they threaten to stymie Trump's agenda, but check this out. In midterm elections, a president's party loses a handful of seats. That's already been established for decades. For former President Barack Obama, his midterm elections in 2010 and 2014 were catastrophic compared to Trump's moderate losses. In 2010, Obama lost. 60 – listen to me – 63 House seats. Even if every House race undecided at time of publication of numerous newspapers across the country this morning gets called for the Democrats, Trump will have lost about half as many seats as Obama did during his first midterm. In 2014, Obama lost just 13 House seats, but he lost them in a House already packed with Republicans. In the end, Democrats held just 188 seats to 247 for Republicans. Additionally, in 2014, Obama lost the Senate as well. Trump managed to keep his hold on the Senate where the Republican majority may increase even further as the days go by. Republicans in this midterm benefited from having only nine seats up for grabs in the Senate, compared to 26 for the Democrats and the independent caucuses with them. So, still, Trump wins, even when he loses he wins. All he does is win, 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 win. No matter how you slice it, compared to history's events for previous presidents, Donald Trump came out once again on top. Is there no is there no end to this winning? Is there no end to this winning? Think about this. Bill Clinton lost 52 House seats in 1994 during his first midterm. That's a lot. Obama, less than 30 so far. It's amazing that this man can stumble and even fall and still come up clean as a whistle. I am in awe. ...of my president. And I'm just keeping it real. Because every man loves a winner. But let's talk about this. The most hilarious coverage of the midterms... ...was MSNBC's handling... ...of Andrew Gillum's... ...losing campaign for Florida gover- for Florida's... ...governorship. 90%. The 90%... ...of the media... ...that hates Trump and his supporters... ...really... Really wanted Andrew Gillum to win. P. Diddy was out there. Uh, what's that dude's name? All I do is win, guy? DJ Khaled was out there the night before. I mean, star-studded, star-packed. Obama was out there. I mean, they just had a good old time. They thought this was going to be an easy win. Or at the very least, just a damn win. Star-studded, imagine D- DJ Khali and, and P. Diddy and God knows who else. They had this one in the bag. They really wanted, and the media really wanted him to win. But he's a radical leftist who is charismatic, articulate, and extremely left-wing. Oh, and he's black. Which means he has the potential to drive black turnout to Obama-like levels. But no, he's a crook. That's the problem. Even Obama wasn't a crook. Even Obama wasn't under federal investigation. But MSNBC reported a Gillum victory before voting even started. Yeah, they did Eric Pedersen and David Robb of Dateline.com noticed a bit of wishful thinking At the Peacock Network's cable propaganda outlet MSNBC Monday night Yeah, they had this guy They had this guy in the governor's chair Measuring the drapes when actual votes started coming in, MSNBC was still pretty certain that Gillum would win. They clung to the hope so long that they were forced to cut away from their coverage of Gillum's concession before they called a race for him. How embarrassing. Nicole Wallace, formerly a Republican and Now a rabid Trump hater noticed that they had been handling this race with a bit too much optimism on Gillum. They thought he had this in the bag. But predictably, blame for the loss was placed on, yeah, racism. And equally predictably, it was Eugene Robinson of Washington Post who flinging the shit, saying that, It was all a matter of racism, that he didn't win because of racist this and racist that. No, he didn't win because he wasn't good for Florida. He was far too left wing. And frustration is understandable. Florida is a swing state and will be critical to the 2020 presidential election. An ally in the governor's mansion will be a big help to Trump, and he has one. Now, Gillum can turn his focus to the corruption probe ongoing in Tallahassee, where he's accused of all manner of duplicitous behavior. So, there's that. Poor guy. He thought he had it in the bag. He thought he was going to be a rock star. He thought, well, Florida is going to be my path to the presidency. Meanwhile, no, he has to go back to being mayor of Tallahassee, Florida. And he's still facing corruption charges. Oops. So much for that. Oh, and our girl here in Georgia, she hasn't given up even though she's not going to win guess what she's crying voter suppression and yes racism she's saying that race is the reason why she is losing she's saying that the guy who's in charge Brian Kemp is has suppressed the vote And so this is why she isn't winning. But she's been setting this up for weeks. And we here in Georgia know that. Shame, shame, shame. If you can't win, why not cheat? And if cheating isn't quite good enough, claim racism, especially if you're black. Sad, sad, sad. Barack Obama relegated to third-tier status. Gillum had hopes for higher office after Florida. The presidency, he stated as much. Nope. Corruption charges? Back to Tallahassee, an ugly town, if I must say so myself. I almost feel sorry for him. But... I don't feel sorry for Mr. Acostia, Jim Acostia. (laughs) He got his ass handed to him by my man, Donald Trump. And we're going to wrap the show up with this little juicy tidbit. I want you to listen to this. This is juicy, all to be damned, and the highlight of my week.
3: Minimums and fees seem to be the foundation of your typical bank. Capital One is anything but typical. That's why we designed savings and checking accounts with no fees or minimums. This is Banking Reimagined. What's in your wallet? Minimums and fees seem to be the foundation of your typical bank. Capital One is anything but typical. That's why we designed savings and checking accounts with no fees or minimums. This is Banking Reimagined. What's in your wallet? Oh,
1: well. Oh we well. Oh well. We'll see you, too have technical difficulties getting that play but we're going to talk about it anyway i would love to have gotten this exchange on the air i think i might have it some here, somewhere here bear with me here for a moment we're going to see if i can find it here because it is hilarious and you must listen to it because i know a lot of you've been busy all day long with work and all the other stuff that you had going on and man i just don't want you to to miss this because it was just, it was just juicy. Well, let's go ahead and see if we can get it here. Listen to this. I, I'm, I, I can't let it go.
3: Down the mic, Mr. President. Are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Yeah.
5: Mr. President,
4: I tell you what. CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be. Working.
2: Let me uh, bring in uh, Jim Acosta now, if I can. I I believe uh, he's uh, at the White House. Uh, And, Jim, that must have been a surreal experience. Obviously, you were being very aggressive, uh, as is the job of a White House correspondent. David Gregory and I are sitting here talking about our experiences, uh, pissing off everybody in that room, pissing off President Obama, pissing off President Bush, uh, asking questions in a way that that made them mad at us. Uh, But President Trump did something that I've never seen an American president do, which is go on a personal rant against you for the questions you were attempting to ask
3: well jake when, when they go low we keep doing our jobs i mean that's the way i look at it and
1: yeah but you're not going to get to do your job because you've just lost your press pass your ass is done who is Tao icon And why did Time Magazine call him the master of the universe and why he's the most important investor in America? Well, first of all, if you don't know who Carl Icahn is, he's probably one of the best financial masterminds that has ever lived. You know, he's a billionaire and every CEO of a public company in America fears his phone call. Carl Icahn, he's he's a corporate raider. And what that means is he preys on public companies.  … That make dumb decisions and have CEOs and management teams in them that basically start steering the ship the wrong way. And he looks for the.
2: The president of Kazakhstan was, um, was an, I'm sorry, Kazakhstan was in the uh, in the Oval Office with President Trump. And you, you know how they do these things. They bring uh, the, the the White House pool in, and they have the photographers and the cameras, and somebody asks questions.
3: And just for the record, we don't hate you, I don't hate you. Okay. Uh, we'll ask as, as okay, Jeff, sir, uh, got If I may follow up on some of the questions that have taken place so far here, sir. Well, we're right we do, do have other
4: people. You do have other people, and your ratings aren't as good as some of the other people that are waiting. Right now, okay. Uh, okay. But, Go ahead, Jim.
3: Uh, if I may ask, sir, uh, you said earlier that, uh, that WikiLeaks was uh, revealing information uh, about the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, during the election cycle. You welcomed that at one I was okay, with it. You, said you You said you loved WikiLeaks. At another campaign press conference, you, you called on the Russians to uh, find the missing 30,000 emails. I'm wondering, sir, if you. Well, she was actually you know, missing 33,
4: and then, and then that got extended with a whole maybe pile of. No, no, but, but I did say 30, but it was actually higher if, than that.
3: If I may ask you, sir, it, it sounds as though you do not have. Uh, much credibility here when it comes to leaking if that is something that you encourage okay. during the campaign. Fair I, question. Ready? If I,
4: if I may ask you that. No, then, no, but you, let me do one at a time. Do you, you mind? Up. Yes, sir. All right. So in one case, you're talking about highly classified information. In the other case, you're talking about John Podesta saying bad things about the boss. I will say this. If John Podesta said that about me and he was working for me, I would have fired him so fast your head would have spun. He said terrible things about her. But it wasn't classified information. But in what case, you're talking about classified. Regardless, if you look at the RNC, we had a very strong, at my suggestion, and I give Reince great credit for this, at my suggestion, because I know something about this world, I said, I want a very strong defensive mechanism. I don't want to be hacked. And we did that. And you have seen that they tried to hack us, and they failed. The DNC did not do that. And if they did it, they could not have been hacked, but they were hacked and terrible things came in. And, you know, the only thing that I do think is unfair is some of the things were so they were when I heard some of those things, I I picked up the papers the next morning. So.
1: All right, welcome back. That went on a little bit too long, and we didn't get to the part that I was really interested in. So let me just go ahead and talk about it. CNN's chief White Horse White White, Horse, White House correspondent Jim Acosta's press pass to access the White House was suspended until further notice. Today, after he engaged in a contentious back and forth with Donald Trump, with the President of the United States, he went on to. Right, and I quote, I've just been denied entrance to the White House. He tweeted this, end quote. So let me do it again because I just included some stuff in the quote that wasn't supposed to be there. Quote, I've just been denied entrance to the White House, end quote. Secret Service just informed me I cannot enter the White House grounds for my 8 p.m. hit. You're done, Jim. He's been poking the bear for months. Just harassing the president, asking asinine question after asinine question, disrupting everything going on. The press pool doesn't stand a chance to get in a word edgewise or a question to the president because Acostia has taken center stage, and Acostia has asked asinine, stupid questions, and he's just fucking with the president. And today – excuse my language – the president has had enough. Now, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders confirmed Ocasio's tweet in a statement claiming the suspension of his press credentials stemmed from his placing his hands on a young woman just trying to do her job as a White House intern. She called the behavior absolutely unacceptable. So what happened was – let me lay it out for you. What had happened was – um. The president had stated that enough. You know, I'm done answering your questions, and we're going to move on to the next reporter. And he'll be allowed. He'll ask. You know, we'll move on. We're moving on. And so Ocasio continued to ask questions, and President Trump stated that no, we're done here. We're. I'm not going to answer any more of your questions. We're moving on to the next. Reporter. So a young woman approached, as is her job, to go ahead and take the mic and then pass the mic on to the next reporter. Well, o- Acostia withheld the mic and pushed the woman's hand away. And she attempted to reacquire the mic in the nicest way, and she was brutally rebuffed yet again. I didn't assault the lady. But he did put his hands on her when she attempted to simply recover the mic so that she could pass it on to the next reporter. He got out of line. He poked the bear for the last time. He's done. The CNN reporter, during a news conference at the White House earlier Wednesday, got into a heated debate with Trump. After he asked the president about the migrant caravan, Trump told Acostia to let him do his job. He went on to say, honestly, I think you should let me run the country and you run CNN, the president said. This is how it all went down. Yeah, the reporter tried to ask him another question before a female White House aide walked over to him. Trump then told him, and I quote, that's enough. Ocasio continued to try to talk as the intern was seen trying to take the microphone from his hand. She grabbed the microphone, but Ocasio wouldn't give it up and tried to push her away. Sexual assault? Assault, perhaps? No, not sexual assault, but assault nonetheless. Sanders, in a statement which Ocasio later described or labeled a lie, said that President Trump, believes in a free press, and expects and welcomes tough questions from his administration. Yeah. Now, Acostia says that's a lie, but Acostia is the one who's telling a falsehood or perpetrating a lie because Acostia has had his way. He has had more screen time with this president, more questions put to the president than all of the other press corps members combined – so, the President has been patient with this clown, but today the President finally had enough finally has had enough of Mr. Acostia, and he's done, and rightly so, you can't keep poking the bear and poking the bear and poking the bear and then expect like it's all good because sooner or later the bear's going to maul your ass and Acostia just got mauled. contrary. To see an assertion, there is no greater demonstration of the president's support for a free press than the event he held today. Only they would attack the president for not being supportive of a free press in the midst of him taking 68 questions from 35 different reporters over the course of an hour and a half, including several from the reporter in question. Now, Sarah Sanders went on to report, this conduct is absolutely unacceptable. It is also completely disrespectful to the reporter's colleagues not to allow them an opportunity to ask a question. President Trump has given the press more access than any president in history, and indeed he has. Indeed he has. This guy, this pretty boy… I suspect just wanted some extra screen time every single time. It's sad. It is sad. And then finally, Trump has put an end to it. This is what Trump had to say. And I quote, I tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you work for them, Trump told Acostia. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee Sanders is horrible. And the way you treat other people is horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way, Trump went on to say. The White House intern who attempted to take the microphone from Acostia eventually handed it off to Peter Alexander of of NBC News. He called Acostia a diligent reporter who busts his butt, to which Trump shot back, well, I'm not a big fan of yours either, to be honest (laughs) – (laughs) My man, Trump. Well, today has been an eventful day. The fireworks are going to begin. No quarter will be given, and none will be asked. The president has stated that he is willing to work with members of Congress, but if they want to fight, they want to throw it out there, he'll do the same. He'll, he'll, He'll respond in kind. We can all play nice. We can all be real nice and sweet, but... If you're not interested in playing nice, then we can get down and dirty. It's all good. So I want to thank you for listening. You've been a great audience. Of course, I had a full chat room tonight and another great audience. I've had some callers on the line, but I haven't had a chance to take the calls, and I do apologize for that. Um, But tomorrow is a new night, so come on back. I want to thank you for listening, and God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. All Trump does is win. And I want to be part of that, don't you? Let's see what Trump has to say. I continue Only to believe Mr. Trump,
7: Trump will not be president.
4: America great again. Obama, you're fired. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind. mind. I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody can go up. And they, they and they say, there. And they say, And they say, there. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Because all I do is win, win, win. And if you're going in, put your hands in the air. make
5: like them go there.